0: I was completely lost, I was broken. I had no joy left in my body and I just felt like, you know, Lord, this, is, this can't be how my life's gonna be. I just didn't want to be divorced.
1: You know, I didn't want to go back. You know, I didn't want to be a part of it. I tried to convince myself I didn't love her. I just don't love her like that anymore. I don't want to be married anymore.
0: So, five years into our marriage, we have a two-year-old daughter and we go out to celebrate our five-year wedding anniversary which didn't turn into much of a celebration. It was the first chance that we actually told each other how unhappy we were and how things were just not working out.
1: Everything had just kind of built up and I got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. Um, I had a lot of stuff bottled up inside that I never talked about. You know, I couldn't be a person almost in that relationship. I was
0: such a controlling person, you know, passive aggressive. We didn't effectively communicate and we just we just fell apart. 20 days after that, my father died very unexpectedly. I lost the first man that ever loved me. And I was losing my husband. Uh, we decided you know,
1: that it would be better if I would move out. Actually convinced myself that we would work towards uh, ending the marriage. I started to create another life outside of the marriage. Started doing drugs. And through that time I had got an apartment. I had a mattress, an Xbox, TV, and a guitar. And I'm looking around and I'm 30 years old. I've got a daughter and I'm a miserable failure. You know, I tried
0: many things to change, to try to be the person I thought he wanted me to be and did anything I could to just try to bring him back. And it wasn't until I surrendered and I just cried out to the Lord that he's got to help me you know he's got to, he's got to save this because I can't do it myself
1: and I could see you know that she I guess was desperate for for this marriage you know to save the marriage
0: surrendered I gave it to God I I felt a little bit of strength and I was able to just pull myself together
1: I can see her changing Things changing in her life. She had went to church and, and got saved, but I was still hanging on to a, a secular type love, right? Without forgiveness, without mercy.
0: You know, I didn't know about love. I didn't know about grace. I didn't know about mercy. I didn't know about forgiveness through Christ. And once I found that, you know, you know, it was, it was a joyous moment, but it was a, it was a gut wrenching moment because I thought, you know. We could have had this all along, but the great thing is, God forgives and God restores. As much as I wanted to quit and give up, there was always this small voice that just said don't quit, don't give up. It's just amazing how he can go before us and he makes ways and he puts things in in line. We don't even know why things are happening, but when I was saved, that seed was planted. I started going to church. I would bring my daughter with me to church. He did not come to church. He didn't want to come to church, which I couldn't understand because I was a new Christian. I was a new believer. I was kind of start the fire was starting to, to light, and I just didn't understand why he didn't want to share that with us.
1: I guess I just wasn't really ready to give up what I had in the world. I knew what a commitment to Christ would take. But I finally just realized that, you know, this marriage would work if we would to fixed this, that we would need Christ in the marriage. So as we got back into church and, and actually put the word in our marriage and realized that you know, we can't change, but God can change us and God can do a work in us. Things started to, to kind of mend and heal over time.
0: We surrounded ourselves with people that were in the word, that were believers. We learned what love was.
1: The things that we were asking God to do for us, to forgive us, to show grace on our lives, to show mercy on our lives, were the things that we needed in a marriage to show each other. And that was a big turning point for us. It's like in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. It never gives up hope it endures forever. And that's godly love without that in a marriage, it makes it too easy to walk away and give up on it. Thank God we didn't. Uh, We went from not even wanting to have any more kids to having two more beautiful girls that are proof to us that that God is real. And without God in this marriage, those two kids wouldn't be alive.
0: Every time I look at my two girls, it's just proof of how much he can restore us and and what he did in our lives and he's faithful, so faithful, and he's always always there. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. And you know, our whole church is filled with lives, marriages, homes that God has done work in. God has restored people, restored marriages, restored relationships. And I want you to understand, above all else, that God is a God of relationships. Think about this just for a moment. God created this whole world for one reason. I mean, He didn't create it so he could have a home. He had heaven. He didn't need this place. Look at Isaiah 45, 12 it tells you why he created this world. It says, I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. God created this world to be inhabited. God created this world so that you and I would be here so that we could have a relationship with Him. He needed, He desired, He wanted to create us, made in His image. Why? So that we could have relationship with Him. We are unique in all of His creations. We are created with the capacity to choose free will. And although that gets us into trouble, it is still the unique thing about us that allows us to have a relationship with God that no other created being can have. He wants to love you and then for you to choose to love him so that we could have relationship. Think about that verse that you saw at the end of that testimony. I want you to look at the full text. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 30 all the way down to 32. We just showed you 32 at the end of the testimony, but look if you would to 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own. That's the reason He loves you, because He's created you. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And because of that relationship, because of who you are, look what He wants you to do. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead... Instead of being that way, this is the way He wants you to be. Be kind to one another. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Amazing. What an amazing plan God has. And so we're going to look at not just forgiveness... But how we can put that forgiveness into practice. What we want to talk about is I guess you could say last week was we wanted to see how God could mend broken relationships, but what we want to talk about today is how we can make relationships better. How many of you believe we can make relationships better? If you've got a good relationship, how about it be better? And this is every kind of relationship, again could be applied to husband and wife, but again, this applies across the board because the principles apply in all kinds of relationships. And so what we want to talk about is, I guess you could say this is putting into practice what you saw there in Ephesians chapter 4. How that instead of doing it this way with bitterness and anger and harsh words, how we can be forgiving, kind, loving, gentle, tender-hearted. You know, those are just words, but we have to be able to put application to that. Everybody understand that all I can do as a pastor is I can present to you words of truth. The Holy Spirit can bring great anointing upon those words of truth, but now it's put in our lap. Now we have to apply that. So you can have the most powerful message in the world. You can have the most powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit in the world. But we still have to make the application. We still have to take that truth and then begin to apply that. So that's what I'd like to ask you to do is we begin to talk about the practical application of how we can put into practice being kind, being tenderhearted, being forgiving, that you would. Take that into your heart and then say, okay, Lord, help me put this into practice. The number one way that you can forgive one another and and help and build your relationship to be better is by what I call increasing the value of the other person with your words. Everybody see this thing right underneath your nose? Just about everyone has one. This is what gets us into trouble. This is what hurts more relationships than anything else. Uh, not only does it make us large, but it gets us into trouble in relationships. So we want to ha- learn how to control that. And the amazing thing think about this just for a moment. God is a creative God. How did God create this world? He spoke the word. And the world came into being. God is a creative God through his words. You and I are created in his image. So therefore your words are creative. Your words are powerful. Proverbs 18 it says that life and death. The power of life and death is in your tongue. It lies in your tongue. You speak. The word "the tongue," Proverbs 18:21 says, "The tongue can bring death or can bring life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences." So, words. How do we speak words and I, and I say this carefully, to build value. Turn, if you would to First Peter chapter three. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 1 and 2. 1 Peter 3, there we go. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly life will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent life. So there's the power, not only of your words, but of our life. Now, let's look at what he says to the husbands in verse 7. It starts out the same way. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. And the word honor in verse 7 Is value. Treat your wife with value. And do you notice the warning he gives you? Catch that, men? You understand the term, a shot over the bow? Well, that's God's shot over the bow to all the men. It's God's way of saying, be careful about the way you talk to your wives. Because if you don't treat your wife with honor, then when you have a need in prayer, he's not going to listen. Your prayers are going to be hindered. You want to have power in prayer. You want to have power as you come to the throne of God. You better learn how to treat your wife with honor. You better learn to treat her with value. You know, everything that I value, I put it in a special place. How about y'all? You got a ring, you have a gun, you have something valuable, you have gold, silver, anything you that's precious, jewelry, you put that in a special place. Why? Because it's valuable. You don't just throw it around, you don't leave it out on the porch. You put it in a special place. Why? Because it has value. And in the same way, God is saying, this gift that I have given you. And if you put this in context... Verse 1 and 2 is a word to the women, give honor to your husbands. Verse 7 is a word to the wives, excuse me, to the men, to honor your wife. So it applies both ways. We are both to honor each other. Not just one, but we both. Now, you say, okay, why does it say it a little different to the men and to the women? Well, good news, we are all uniquely Created differently. We're created differently with different needs, different ways we respond. And so he speaks to the woman, the wives, and he says you need to treat the husbands with honor, with respect, uh, because he's put them as a, in a position of authority. But the word to the husbands, you need to be nice. You need to be gentle. You need to speak kindly uh, with no harshness, and you need to speak in a way that helps and benefits. So what I would like to do is I would like to give you an illustration of this. Okay, I'm going to call on my wife, my sweet wife, my healed and well wife. We're going to demonstrate this. Right, sweetheart? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I need my assistance out here. Praise God! Let's see. Now, first of all, I want to. I'm going to have three things going all at once. We're going to have. Uh, here we go. Do I have so, a microphone? Uh, yeah. You got a microphone? We have a microphone for her. That's yeah. all right. You can just kind of. Some things to say. Yeah, you <laughs> have some things to say. Okay, we're we're going to put some money in here. Uh, okay. Okay. This is all I got. Okay, here we go. Oh, we no, don't, We don't want to waste any money. Okay, here we go. So, and the money, it speaks of value. Okay? Now, what we're going to describe is the marriage relationship when it starts. Every marriage relationship has value. Why? Because you love one another. You're infatuated with one another. You're thrilled with one another. Uh, you, you love one another, you committed your life to one another, and so there's the value in the marriage. The marriage has value because you love one another. Now, you're young, <laughs> so you're going to have to learn, but at the same time, uh, you have to learn how to speak to one another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to illustrate what happens uh, when you speak in the wrong way. Okay? Okay, here we go. Uh, sweetheart, uh, I'd like to talk to you about money. Uh, you've been spending way, way too much oh, money. Uh, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. You know, like go to the grocery store and you buy huge amounts of everything and you spend money that you don't need to. Uh, and well, you <laughs> well. like all that stuff I cook, too, you know. Yeah, talking about cooking. Yeah, I, I, the, you mean the burnt offering you got the other oh, day? Oh, wait yeah, a minute. Are you talking about that uh, roasted stuff that, that whatever? I don't, I don't even know what that was. <laughs> you know, my mama could cook better now. Oh, I want to guarantee you that. Oh, no, this is not good. <laughs> and and I just want to say, you know, we got to learn to live on a budget. And I'd appreciate it if you would spend money wisely. And, now, now, wait a minute. Yeah.
3: You just bought a gun last now, we week. Now, no, uh-uh, we, we
2: don't want... No, let's don't talk about that. And how much does that
3: hunting license cost for nah, Texas? Nah.
2: But you bought some shoes the other day, and you've got well, hundred pairs of shoes. My
3: shoes are very important. I just happen to love red shoes, and I just needed another pair.
2: Yeah, well, I, I really think that you need to think about the way you... You know, you, you know after all, this, this money is my money, I'm the one that pays the bill you Whoa, know I'm the one that Wait go, a minute I, I'm the one that goes I, I, it's my paycheck.
3: uh let's see. I'm going to start sending you a bill for cooking and cleaning and babysitting <laughs> etc
2: <cetera. laughs> Okay now, this is what happens in marriages. You start speaking this way, and did you notice what happened? There's a wall between us. You know, there's some marriages in this room right now. There's a wall between you because of the words you've spoken. And when that wall is there, you think, I don't love them anymore. They don't love me anymore. I don't like this marriage. I want out of this marriage. Why? Because you think there's no value there. And the same time, while this wall has been built up, notice, money's gone. Why? What happened? (laughs) No, she didn't spend (laughs) it. Not yet. (laughs) What happened? That money, it represented the value of that marriage. And so as you speak negatively, I want you to catch this. As you speak negatively about that other person, the value of that marriage goes down. But guess what? You go down in value. They go down in value. Your witness goes down in value. Everything goes down in value. You see, we are one. Husband and wife, we're one. And so if I speak negatively to my wife, it doesn't just devalue her. I devalue myself. And so what we have to see is the power of life and death that is in our words. Mm -hmm. Now, I have good news for you. This, Although this may be the condition of some marriages... In this room today, the wall is between you, the marriage has been depleted, and you feel like you don't love that other person. You can start improving that, making that relationship better. Watch this. Sweetheart, I just want to say, (laughs) you sure look good today, honey. And I just want you to know that those meals you've been fixing me, they are some fantastic. I want to appreciate everything you're doing. And, and, you know, thank you for for mining the the finances of the home and and spending wisely at the store. You know, I know sometimes I can be hard, but, you know, I, I just really appreciate all the things that you're doing. And I know you're doing a good job.
3: Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Those words make me love you so
2: much. Well, that's, that's so sweet. And, and you know, I, I know I had a bunch of harsh words for you before. But, I, I, you know, I really wasn't thinking about it. And, really, you're an excellent cook. You know, you look really good today. You know, it's amazing that you actually, you actually look better.
0: Oh,
3: well, this is getting better and better.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, I love you more. Oh, thank you. And I'm
3: sorry. I said some things I shouldn't have said either. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I know. And I just want you to know that I I do care for you. Thank you. And I'm sorry about all those harsh words.
3: I'm sorry, too. Would you forgive me? Yeah,
2: I forgive you. Forgive me. Yes, I forgive you. And I forget
3: it. And I I won't bring it up again. Never again? No, just don't talk about my burnt
2: offerings. (laughs) Okay. Okay, you won't bring up the rifle I just got?
3: No, you can have any rifle you want. I really don't care. Oh, good. As long as I get my shoes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love it. You can repair the relationship. Sweetheart, sweetie. This illustration always cost me. You ever notice that, Nadine? It always cost me. So even when I get home and I try and get that back from her, she said, oh, no. You know, the good news is, even though some marriages here this morning have had walls built between you and you've said a lot of harsh things, you can repair that. You can repair that. And it's because your words are so powerful. You can speak words. And some of you think, you know, I'm not going to say anything nice about him or I'm not going to say anything nice about her until they earn it. Hey, God speaks good things about you before you earned it. Right? The Bible says... Christ died for you while you were yet a sinner. Romans 5.8. Christ died for you while you were yet a sinner. And so that brings you to the second area. And that is that we increase the value of our relationships by honoring God's Word. And the way we honor God's Word is by the way we respond to life situations. So, it's, it's more than just words. It's the way we act, the way we respond. How many of you here have responded badly to some situation? Let me see your hand, be honest with me. You know, it's easy. And, and the news is, we are all guilty. We are all guilty. So don't lift yourself up and say, oh, that person, the other person is wrong. Probably you've been wrong too. You may be right about this situation, but you've been wrong about others. That's the truth. We both fail. In every relationship, we fail. We mess up. But we begin to read God's Word. And we begin to understand How God wants us to act. And then as we do that, then we begin to know how we're to act. Look if you would, to Romans chapter 10. Excuse me, Romans 12. It says this, love each other with genuine affection and take delight. I love this. In what? Honoring one another. There's that same word. Honoring that has the root word to it, value. So here we're commanded to delight. Don't you love that? Delight and honoring. Delight in giving honor to the other person. So the context here is it's more than words. Look for situations in your relationships that you can give honor. And don't wait until you think they deserve it or they've earned it. But learn to give honor because God's Word tells us to. He tells us to love one another and to take delight in honoring each other. Not because they deserve it, because the truth of it is, oftentimes we are not going to deserve it. And there's a principle going on here. And that is treating people with honor and love and respect and decency while they don't deserve it. And here's what happened. It makes them want to live up to what you're speaking and the way you're acting. I want to just give you a scenario. A scenario is this. And that is the husband comes home one day and he announces to the wife, says... Sweetheart, I've made a decision. I'm going to buy a new boat. And it only costs $25,000. It's on special. And I went to the boat dealer, and, and he has a great deal. Listen, he is going to let us buy this thing. No down payment, only $249 a month. And then before she's able to get her breath... You say something like this. You say, and sweetheart, I want to say, we're going to save money. All the fish that I'm going to catch, we're actually going to save money. Now, you don't want to talk about the fish that's going to cost $400 a pound. You you don't want to mention that. Uh, But at the same time, wife, now you're going to have to respond. And what I want to show you are two different scenarios. Result number one result number two, result number one, the husband says this, and and here's the scenario, a little more to it, and that is the wife generally handles all the bills. She pays all the bills, and he kind of doesn't want to have anything to do with it, and the wife, since she pays the bill, she knows, hey, we cannot afford this, $249 a month, Whether it's a good deal or a bad deal, it doesn't really matter. We still can't afford it. And if we have to start paying that, there are going to be some other things that our kids need that they're not going to get. So you, as a wife, already see this is not going to be a good idea. So you're torn. One hand, you know it's not a good idea. On the other hand, you would like to honor the authority of God's Word by honoring your husband. So what do you do? By the first response... You scream out at him and say, are you crazy? You idiot. We cannot afford that. And I want to tell you this, that if you buy that thing, you can sleep by yourself for the rest of the year. In fact, you can sleep in that stupid boat. And I mean, there's yelling, there's screaming, there's hollering, there's a big fight. And it's just, it's terrible. And there's a lot of silent treatment going on. The husband's upset. He's frustrated. He didn't get his boat that he was so had his heart set on. The wife's mad at the husband. The husband's mad at the wife. And the next day, he goes to work, tells his kind of cute secretary what his wife said. And she bats her eyes and said, Well, I would have let you have it. Yeah, you're right. You would. <laughs> you have no idea about the finances. Sure, you would. I would have made a different decision. And now, all of a sudden, he thinks she's a friend and the wife's the enemy. And that can lead to all kinds of problems. So that's scenario one. Well, what's, what's the other scenario? What's the other result? Well, let's think about God's word. The wife, good response. She says, sweetheart, I tell you what, let's let's pray about this overnight. You pray about it tonight. I'll pray about it. Let's talk about this tomorrow. So knowing the husband. That night he prays, oh, Lord, help her to see my way and help her to, to see that we need this boat in Jesus name. Amen. That's his prayer. Her prayer is, Lord, give me wisdom how to respond to this. Show me your ways, Lord. Help me to respond in a way that honors my husband. Give me your wisdom. So the next day, she comes to him. He's all excited. And she says, sweetheart, honestly, I don't think we can afford the boat. But I also know the word of God says that I'm to honor my husband. But I tell you what, you have not really wanted to take care of the finances and pay the bills, so I'll make you a deal. You take over all the finances of the home, pay all the bills, and I'll be glad to support you in whatever decision you make because now it'll be in your lap. And the results of that decision, it'll be yours. And I'll honor you and support you in whatever decision you make. So the next day, the guy goes and buys the boat. but the husband takes over the finances and it doesn't take but just a short time for the husband is trying to balance the books and try to pay all the things and get all the bills paid and all of a sudden great revelation and light comes on we can't afford this stupid boat but my wife honored me and supported me in this so he comes to his wife he apologizes Said, "Sweetie, you know, you went along with this, and you supported me, but I'm, we're going to have to sell that boat." She says, "Well, sweetie, whatever you think. sells the boat, Take a loss, but it's not that bad. But here's the end result. The marriage is strengthened. God's word is honored. They both learn a valuable lesson. And she finally gets her husband involved in the finances, something she's been trying to get him involved in for a long time. And he appreciates his wife for honoring him. Yeah, he made a mistake. But guess what? We can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from our mistakes. When we honor his word and when we honor his ways, we learn. Even if we make mistakes. You can have scenario one. Knock down, drag out. Both mad. But the end result, the marriage is weakened. The marriage is devalued. And all those negative words happen. Walls get built up between. I'm just going to ask you to be honest with me just for a moment may not describe your present situation, but how many of you here have had a situation in your life and in your marriage and in your relationship where there's been that wall? Let me see your hand. You've experienced that wall. You know what I'm talking about. It happens. And you know, even people who love God, even people who love His Word, even people who know Jesus, build those walls. Because even though we may be saved, our mouth hadn't quite gotten saved yet. It's still in the process of being restored and renewed. Our spirit may be renewed, but I want to tell you our mouth, which is tied to the soulish realm, is being saved. And so I want to encourage you today relationships all over this room. I want to encourage you to guard your lips, to guard your tongues, to speak life, to speak kindness. Do away, as it said in Ephesians 4, verse 30, do away with harsh words, unkind words, threatening. Do away with that, but instead be tender hearted. Be compassionate, be merciful, seek God's wisdom in your responses can make a difference. Same thing that I said early on, God cares about your relationship. In fact, God is more interested in your relationships than he is interested in anything else. He wants your relationships to be good between husband and wife, between fathers and their children, mothers and their children, in between parents and their children and cousins and uncles and that. God loves relationships to be right. But if we want relationships to be right, we've got to learn to speak well and we've got to learn to respond to situations According to his word. Not our emotions. And that brings me. To the last thing about this. And that is that. God. God wants a relationship with you. In the same way. God wants a relationship with you. Now think about what I'm just saying. God. God. Loves us before we're lovable. We said that earlier, Romans 5, 8. That, but God showed us great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And you know, the Bible is a love story of all how he loves us. So that tells me that God spoke value to us before we deserved it. We don't have any value. We are sinners before a holy God. We do not deserve anything. We are sinners. But Christ died for us while we were yet a sinner. And all through His Word, sometimes I'll be reading His Word, and I, sometimes I go, Lord, how can you love me that much? How can you? How can this kind of love be available for me, for the people? How can you love us this much? And the reason is, is because He sees in us the great potential of the relationship that He has always wanted. So therefore He sent His Son to die for us so we could have that relationship. And then He wanted you to read His love story He wants you to read about how He speaks value to you. And that we would live up to that value after we have that relationship. But first you have to initiate, establish that relationship. You know what most people do? I found that a lot of people want relationship with God, but they want it on their terms. They want it on their terms. You say, would you like or do you have or do you want a relationship with God? Almost everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, I want a relationship with God. But here's the thing. They failed because they want it on their terms. I want to read to you Romans chapter 10. And in a moment, we're going to read about how we can be saved and have that relationship. But first, I want you to see Romans 10, verse 1, 2, and 3. It's a powerful reminder about how we want it in our way. Romans 10, verse 1 through 3. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is, watch, misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. That applies to the Jewish people, but it applies to all of us. So many people want to do it their way. They want relationship with God, but as it says it here, they want it on their terms. They want to be made right by God, or made right with God, by the keeping of the law. They want to be earners of God's grace, but you can't do it. You can't earn God's grace. So, if you can't earn it, and you can't be good enough, so how can you have this amazing, wonderful relationship? Well, he, he goes on to tell you here in Romans 10. He says it in verse 9 through 13. It says, If you openly declare, notice it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Verse 11, as the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon Him. For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So verse 1, 2, and 3, it said the Jews, they messed up because they kept wanting to come on their terms. They wanted to do it by earning it. They wanted to keep the law. They wanted to keep the Ten Commandments. They wanted to earn relationship with God. And it just just explains that you can't do it. You can't do it that way. And I found that's a real problem here down in South Louisiana. Everybody thinks they can be made right by doing good things. They think they're a Christian because their mom and dads are Christians. They think they are a Christian because they go to a church. They think they're a Christian because they do good things. But none of that establishes a relationship with God. We, there's only one way the Shed blood of Jesus That's it Believing Notice first You believe in your heart And then what do you do There's an openly Confessing openly declaring Jesus Christ Is the Lord Of my life and you know you cannot Say that unless there's a sense of surrender You can't Be Lord while he's Lord only one of you can be Lord at the same time. So you surrender from being Lord of your own life and you declare Him Lord of your life. And when you do that, when you believe in your heart and you declare openly, you shall be saved. And you say, you mean there's nothing I can do? There's nothing I can earn it? There's not some little thing I can accomplish and that? will No. Anything you do would take away from the cross of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Holy moment. It's a moment where people are making a decision to surrender to Him. So I'm just going to ask you to be respectful for a moment. We'll be out in just a short time, but please be respectful. Hold tight just a moment. Right now. If you're in this room, we've talked about relationship with God. There's no way you can make your relationships good with your husband or your wife until you first have a relationship with God. We saw that in the testimony at the beginning of the message. First, you have to come and surrender to God. And then He can save and renew and restore your relationship with God with one another so if there's a person in this room and you need to have that relationship with god i'm just going to ask you if you would just to slip up your hand if you'd be willing to say yes i need that relationship with god anybody i'd like to pray for you yes one young man anybody else yes thank you anybody else you need that relationship with the lord yes Several people, raise their hand. Stand to your feet if you would. Stand to your feet. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing that song we sang earlier. The cross is the final word. And while they're singing that, I'm going to ask if you want that relationship with God and you know it's not there or you need to get it settled or maybe you walked away from God when you were young and you need to come back to the Lord and renew that relationship whatever the situation is I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat come right down here I want to pray with you I encourage you to come today and don't hold back if you want that relationship you need that relationship you raise your hand or even if you didn't raise your hand I'm going to ask you just to make your way out of the seat come down here I want to pray with you to have that kind of relationship Would you come? They're going to sing. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, come on. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, young man. Thank you. Anybody else? Just respond to the Lord. Respond to His heart. Yes, thank you, young man. Come on. Just respond to His heart and say, Yes, I need that relationship. I need to have that kind has of relationship. The final word. Yes. Thank you. The Thank cross you. has
1: the final word. And he traded death for eternal life. Now the cross has the final word. Yeah, the cross has the final
2: I'm going to ask you to do I appreciate first of all you stepping out coming down here takes a lot of courage and I just want to say to you that this is a decision of heaven or hell this is a decision of eternal life you can't earn what we're about to do it's amazing that the gift of salvation forgiveness of all of your sin it's free but it costs you lordship of your own life we have to be willing to surrender and as long as you're running your own life we mess up we've all been there we've all messed up our life but God can give you a new life and Here's And we're about to pray and this is what happens spiritually it says, it says he takes out the old heart old heart of stone and he puts in a new heart So I guess you could say while we're praying, God does a spiritual transplant. (laughs) Takes out your old heart, gives you a new heart. Puts in His Holy Spirit. And you become a brand new person. That's why they call it being born again. And lightning may not hit. I hope it doesn't. But, I mean, it's not like, you know, some big lightning experience. It's just a surrender. I don't want to tell you. You're sincere, you will never be the same. You will never be the same. And this church is filled with people who will never be the same because they've made that same decision. So I'm going to ask you just to pray with me. We're going to pray out loud. Pray with me, would you? Let's pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender to you, Lord. I declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I give up, Lord. I'm not going to be Lord anymore. I'm not boss. I give it to you. I believe in the blood of Jesus as the forgiveness of my sin. I am a sinner. I cannot do it. I can't be good enough. But I trust in your love, your blood, and the cross, and what you did for me. I receive your forgiveness. Give me your Holy Spirit to live inside of me forever. I will never be the same from this day forward. I will be a brand new person. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and giving me new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering and say thank you, Lord. Oh, the cross
1: has the fire